The art of customer service is getting lost. The need for customer service is greater than ever. I don't know if people don't care if it's falling by the wayside, but it's it's no longer the focus of most places. And I think the, the customer service kind of mixed with the knowledge and just being there for the customer. Um, I think all together are things you can't get anywhere else to the fullest extent you can at Midwest Evening Appliance. Midwest TV and Appliance, you get more for your money. Cooley Region Cooks, every Thursday from 10 to 11, unless mountains are moved and the world is coming to an end, it's very rare that we don't have a Cooley Region Cooks. And so thank you for uh, allowing a little space last Thursday. And as the old saying goes, I'm back. And in the studio with me this morning is my guest for this hour, Sean McManus, who is Savory Creations, among other things. Good morning. I'm well. Wait a minute. How come that's not working? Um, keep talking. Nope. Okay. Let me try. That's supposed to. Here, tell you what. Just until we can get that fixed, come over here and talk to me. And I'll find out why that's not working later when it doesn't matter. Where was I? Oh, yeah. My guest on Cooley Region Cooks, <laughs> as we start over again, Sean McManus, who is Savory Creations, among other things. Also, uh, well, through Savory Creations, uh, teaches classes, does some uh, uh, home chefing for those who need some assistance, and is uh, generally uh, a man about town here. Sorry, I'm. I mean, at least you know what that smooge is right there. It's yeah. duck confit, I think. Yes, it is. So how the heck are you? Doing well. Yeah, Doing you well. look great. Yeah. Feeling Happy good. and healthy and yeah. COVID-free and so forth. Yes, absolutely. Dealing with this uh, issue as best you can. I know it's crazy. Day to day. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the way it goes. So I'm glad that uh, things are good. Uh, cla- are you back into uh, summer uh, cooking classes now? Is that uh, something you can do even with the... The pandemic issues. We're getting we're getting close to the public offerings. Um, we have been doing private in home cooking classes ah. for small groups. Uh, now we're just kind of working out the logistics to get out there and get uh, small groups again, but get them all together in public. So well, and they were always small groups. You, you never had what just ten or twelve people at a time in a class, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. We, we want to give it that that high impact learning by having those smaller groups and also well, having the elbow room to do so. Sure. <laughs> but even though you have a class and lots of people are in it that are familiar with a wide variety of cooking technique and issues and so forth, they still want person. They want some skin on skin, so to speak, uh, education from the guy who from their teacher. Yes. Yes. If there's thirty people or even twenty people in a class. And it's a 90-minute class. You're not going to be able to give everybody the same amount of attention because I want it all. So does the guy next to me. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be a problem. Yeah. No, that, that's exactly it, too, with the small classes is to that that's personal cool. touch there. And, and also you can feel out the personalities and what their learning curves are, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and, and sort of judge that in smaller groups. What kind of crazy classes have you been uh, – when you've been homeschooling, <laughs> what kind of classes are you getting requests to teach? You know, honestly, the general interest has been cooking 101, basic really? techniques, really? using spices, refrigerator door cooking. Um, how can I utilize all these random spices that have been sitting in my cabinet? 
And I think people sort of resonated on the fact that during this pandemic um, period, which is obviously still continuing. An issue, sure. But they, um, they're realizing that they've gotten in the kitchen more. They realized some of their weaknesses, and they wanted to hone in on those. And, and that's been the major subject is, is technical it not more of a high impact, uh, I guess intermediate, just techniques in cooking and utilizing sure. those spices. They don't want the sure. fancy molecular gastronomy or how do you make these plates look really good. They want how can I use up these five meats that are in my freezer? Um, you know, when when things are starting to get on their last days, how can I utilize that and quick those, before it's gone altogether? Exactly. Yeah, that's before it. I have to throw it away. Right. I get it. You know, I I get it. Going I, down to the bare minimums of living. Well, that's awesome, though. I, I, who's the – God, I'm having a brain fart. Who's the chef? She has a TV show. Uh, her, I think her last name is Ray. Uh, Rachel. Rachel okay. Ray. Yeah. I watched a video the other day, recently enough that I can still remember the video. Can't remember her name, but Rachel Ray did it. And the little clip was how to dice an onion. And she said, I don't do it. You know all those ways that you see – all the chefs and all the classes and, you know, cut it like this and then slice, 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 and then I don't do it that way. Here's how I do it. Cut out all the middle steps, all diced, and uh, and she dropped the knife like dropping the mic at the end of that two-minute video. And I thought, that is the simplest way to dice an onion ever. And so now I realize, even though I've been doing it wrong, according to Chef Ramsay and some of the other cooking <laughs> shows that I've seen on TV. I'm doing it right because Rachel Ray does it that way, and I did it that way by accident because I hadn't seen how to do it, you know, the correct way. I just want little pieces of onion and not really concerned that they aren't all exactly the same size, just all kind of diced. Sure, yeah. A lot of that rolls into the safety portion. You know, that's the way I look at it when I teach classes is, you know, what, what knives do you have? What are you comfortable with in your home with what right. knives? And then how do you use them? So every class always starts with a little bit of knife skills. When sure. We move into these dinners. Um, and I call them dinners because it's not just a cooking class that we do. We You're eating. you got to eat. provide three-course dinners. Right. Yeah. Oh, three-course. Oh, even. Yeah. The class is, uh, the, here's how to cook it, and now you'll find out how well you did. Let's eat it. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> the fruits of the labor. Um, yeah. You know, and, and safety, sanitation first, especially, you know, in, in these times. Okay. Is it difficult to do all of that in someone else's kitchen, or do they come to you? Um, well, we, we, we go to them. You go to them. All and, right. But we will be offering the public classes. Well, those. But, I mean, yeah. right now you're going to somebody's house. When yeah. you walk in and see their kitchen, how often are you thinking, oh, gee, <laughs> i got to teach eight people how to do this in yeah. this kitchen? Uh, I don't look at it like that. I, I just I, I look at what we can just utilize. Um, right. You but know, you bring your own knives and stuff in case, just yeah. in case? Yeah. Exactly. Cutting boards, uh, sanitation buckets. We, we typically don't use anything in the kitchen besides a stovetop, an oven, and counter the space. Countertop. We provide everything Everything else? else? Oh, yeah. that's great. So however the kitchen is when we walk into it, we want it to be cleaner when we walk out. That's sure. That's kind of our... That's interesting that you would... When you talk about uh, cooking 101, uh, because I did most of my learning uh, long distance, I lived uh, hours away from my dad, who... Wasn't a card-carrying gourmet, but God, he was good. Yeah, and uh, and he taught me a bunch of stuff over the phone, and also tried to teach me some knife skills. I've never had a knife skill class, but every once in a while, I see somebody a little video, a YouTube thing, and I look at it and think, "Oh, good, 
I'm doing it his way. I guess I'm, I'm doing it correctly. Yeah. I how often do you run into people who, and I, I still do to this day, run into people that when I suggest, here, grab this. It's called a chef's knife. It's about eight inches long. It's got a big fat blade. Your fingers are far, far away from the sharp part. It's going to make dicing up this onion real easy. So put away that paring knife or that tiny little cuticle cleaning knife or whatever it is you're using because your fingers are right next to that really sharp blade. You run into that, I'm afraid of that big knife. I might cut my finger off. Absolutely. Better chance with the tiny knife. Right, yes, absolutely. And and the tiny knives are going to be more dangerous for those larger cuts. Yeah. It's getting them in that mindset. It's all about the comfortability and the mindset and the safety. So, yeah, and, and how you hold it's one thing. You know, I, I use uh, psychological ways of teaching by if, if, if they were to grab a knife and they put their finger on the top right away, mm-hmm. and I'll say, whoops, pointing's rude. We don't want to do that. And it's a safety measure that we take with the knives. It, most folks grab a big chef's knife, and right away they put their pointer finger out on the top of it, and, and it's actually not stable. It's a little bit more dangerous to do things sure. that way. Um, so it's, it's kind of a brainwashing thing. And, and, then I, and then I go into rock and roll. Do you like rock and roll? Well, yeah, I like rock and roll. Well, great, because now that you're holding your knife correctly without pointing at people, which is rude, now we can get into rock and it. roll. And rock and roll, then again, it's using the curvature of the knife. Sure. So it's, it's, you're using safety and, and little brainwashing techniques. But these are things folks remember when they get back in the kitchen the yeah. next day when the chef's gone. And well, that's why dicing that <laughs> onion with a cheese knife or with a flat blade knife is a lot more difficult than with the, uh, the Chanticoo, which is curved and you don't have to do very much work if the knife is really sharp. Right, right. And I, and I think a lot of folks that are so used to doing things for so many years the same way, it's, it's that transition to that adjustment of, oh, that's, a, you know, that's an 8-inch chef knife. That's, it's, it's, I'm not used to that. Yeah. Well, let me show you a couple techniques. I want you to do it your way after I show you these techniques and whichever one molds to you because I just want you to be comfortable as sure. a person. And I think that they slowly realize that just those small adjustments, not only are they safer, they're more accurate, and they're more efficient. Well, and, and can maybe make the whole process more fun. How yeah. often do you run into somebody who says, yeah, I really don't like to cook. Why? Because it's such a pain. Yeah, yeah. you got to dice the thing and blah, 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 blah. It's such a pain. Are you? Let me see how you're doing it. Well, of course it's difficult. You're not even using the right you're knife. You're using a steak knife to yeah. cut the potatoes, so yeah. we'll see you in an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah really. Yeah, right. No, no, no wonder, wonder you hate it. A mundane situation. <laughs> yeah, you know? no kidding. Yeah, no but kidding. it's uh, crazy. It, it is about the technique, and that's been the, the most popular thing with folks is what type of techniques can I learn to make it more efficient for me and my family? Yeah. And then, they're like you say, they're, they're, at that point they're more apt to go out and and plan a dinner with their with their husband or wife and say let's let's do a four course, you know we we right now budget's tight we we can't you know most of the restaurants not going are closed anywhere. yeah yeah whatever it may be and let's plan out a four course dinner and then let's plan it how efficient we can be through some of those techniques that we learned at you know with Chef Sean at Savory Creations or sure, sure. At another place or just from watching YouTube videos well and and as fun as not is. Uh... Uh, a butcher shop. There's a couple of butcher shops that I visit regularly. Uh, Bubba's, I, I do, but uh, uh, Shuby's right across the street here. Fantastic. They have a monthly food box. I think that's, gosh, I hope that's what they call it. A food that's filled with all different kinds of meats and stuff. Yeah. And that can often turn into a whole meal, just the stuff. It's like a CSA, sort of. Yeah, I was just uh, going to mention that. Yeah, yeah. but, uh, you know, all the stuff that's in there can turn into a great meal. 
And that, uh, as often as not, can help you figure out, what am I going to do with this ground lamb? Well, taste it first, and then you'll realize it's not just for spaghetti sauce or burgers anymore. Right. Oh, I mean, many yeah, things. That's awesome. Do they provide recipes with the food? They, well, they can if you ask. What am I going to do with it? I see in the food boxes, you know, ground lamb. What am I going to do with that? Well, come in and I'll give you, a, I'll give you some recipe ideas, or you know, give you yeah. some addresses to look it up on your computer. And, that's great. And check it out. Yeah, yeah. That's and next that's, thing you know, you have shepherd's pie. First. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you have a crust on that shepherd's pie that isn't mush, yeah. or a you know, or or just a cracker. Because neither of those are going to make your shepherd's pie very uh, tasty. One more quick question about uh, knife skills. This is something my dad taught me when I was younger, and that was I don't have a knife to use, but choking up on the handle. He was uh, in an effort to still keep your oh there you go, keep your fingers away from the knife. Yes. Uh, and not use the point in your pointer finger, but he was often grabbing the knife way up on the handle so his fingers and thumb were actually on the blade, not back here. Yes. yes. Is that the way you're teaching it, too, with finger and thumb on the edge, on the back of the blade? Yes, I, I, I am. And, and the, the way that I explain that is, is if you have a baseball bat and you hold it at the end, you're going to have more power, but you're not going to have that accuracy. Right. So just like a hammer, when you choke up on a hammer... You have more accuracy. You certainly don't have the power, but you have that option to go back down on the, on the, on the hammer. So with the knives, I encourage them to choke up. Um, and the, the way that I say it is, is you put three fingers on one side of the blade and you wrap, or on, on the handle rather, one and underneath the, rest. the blade and then the other two up top. So you're choking up. You end up getting a little callous if you do that quite a bit because sure. you are rubbing against the top of the top of the blade but you have more accuracy more control and it's more safe so i sure. do teach that direction all right well there's another thing that i you know my dad just told me that over the phone you know if you're going to use that 10 inch the knife that i sent you i probably will dad good uh and you don't feel real comfortable with it because you're dicing a shallot which is a tiny little onion just choke up on the blade so that your fingers aren't closer to the sharp part but they are closer to the product you're trying to make smaller yeah. Oh, absolutely. Dad, that's great. What a great tip. Yeah. It, I would have just is. used a smaller knife. Yeah. Don't choke up on the big one. Use a smaller one. <laughs> right, right. It defeats it, the whole purpose. And then we'll see you half an hour later. Yeah, that's right. right, right We're right, back right. to that whole, uh, my friend is dicing up potatoes. I'll be done dicing up this shallot, both at about the same time, in an hour. <laughs> and I hate this. I never want to cook again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's and, good. And we want to persuade against that. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, let me take care of a little business, and then when we come back, let's make charred orange duck cuz wow and the duck confit this is charred orange duck that i had a bite of right absolutely that's different than the duck confit and the charred orange duck demi glaze so we've got three things going here this morning and that'll keep us busy and i'm taking this break okay i'm lying to everybody i'm taking this break because i want another bite of that duck <laughs> it's really good we'll be right back cooley region cooking with Sean McManus from savory creations that's me. Well, and my guest taking a ride on the motorcycle with a pickle. I'm still, I'm trying to find the email that my guest sent me earlier today because he said there's a bunch of good stuff on that email, Hayes, and you only printed out half of it. And I'm thinking, I don't think you're correct there, dude. <laughs> oh, there it is. Let's see. How many recipes are in this? 
we'll see. Because we're cooking duck. Oh, you dirty dog. I hate you. Okay, no, I don't. There's only two more. Duck confit, charred orange duck demi-glaze, the uh, Archer Marsala spice rub, and hickory smoked whole duck. Let's do the whole duck. Here, do you have it memorized, or I can do yeah. that? Yeah, so yeah, you I can see it, it <laughs> I'm sure you do. It, well, this... you know, um, when, you know, as of last year, uh, things slowed down, obviously, and um, I decided to get into smoking and learn more about that. Um, breaking out the smoker, jumping into some uh, either briskets or pork butts, and uh, I, I like to kind of go over this recipe here. It's uh, it's a hickory smoked whole duck. Um, I did it with an Indian achar masala, which I also gave the recipe for that I know that you'll put up on the website there. Um, but it, it, it's, it's a sweet and spicy duck that's smoked, and then I use the drippings to create a, a demi-glace. Um, so, and I know that sounds all fancy and technical, but it's actually pretty simple, and, and with the smoked duck, I... I use a seven to eight pound um, whole duck. Uh, I've seen the prices recently are not terrible. I'm getting eight pound ducks for twenty dollars even, thawing them out. Really, cooking the whole thing. And where do you get a duck? Where do you buy a whole duck? Uh, Festival and Woodman's locally really? they here. Both, both have them. Have them available. Um, if you if you happen to go to Woodman's, they don't have the whole. They just have the quarters or the the breast. You can certainly right, order it. Them, sure. You, or or go that direction. As well, um, I, I do these whole, but you can break these up for. Smoking. Well, and does it change the recipe at all if you're doing, whatever, four duck breasts instead of one whole duck? No, 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 not at all, not at okay. all. Okay, all right. Uh, as long as you have that weight, so right. it's the weight on the time need, here. So it's seven time pounds and ish of seven and a half pounds of duck. Yep, Got and it. then uh, some canola oil. That's just to coat it, so you can go ahead and get your spice rub on top. Um, gave so you the recipe. Stick. Yeah. That's yep. So she'll stick nicely. Um, I went with an achar masala. So what that is is it's it's Indian spices that are sweet and spicy. So the, the main sweetness in the achar masala is um, dehydrated mango. And you and you basically really? run that in a food processor to create a powder or small chunks. And then you use red chili powder. And then the, the, the thing that I'm excited about is utilizing those spices that are way in the back of your pantry, like your fenugreek seed, your caraway those are inside this recipe. So it, it's cool to introduce some of those spices that you typically don't use on. This is really good. I'm, I'm glad of, you like that. kind of builds on, on, I just put a little tip, I mean a little on the tip of my tongue. That was good. Then it got better. Yeah. And, now <laughs> and then I the want, spice kicked And in. now I want to stick my <laughs> finger back in there but stick it in further so I can taste more. That's really yeah. tasty. It's a little spicy, and I know people hear the word spicy and they think it's hot. I don't like spicy. I don't like hot. This is right on the edge of hot, but absolutely spicy. So yeah. if you like plain, and if you're a if you're a macaroni and cheese with nothing else in it person, you probably won't like this spice. But if nope. you like yeah. you like salt and pepper and other spices, then this right up your alley. Sure, and and a lot of the times when when I go out to to smoke foods, I, I'm thinking to myself, do I do I want that that major smokiness? Or do I want to add something to it? So, and sometimes I'll just use canola oil, uh, kosher salt, and coarse ground pepper, because at that point in time, it's like I can make a sauce later. Sure. I just want it to be simple. I want to make sure I get that nice smoke ring on that meat. Let it right. rest, and, and you're gonna mop forward. it later with mop something it else. later with a sauce. Sure, right. whether it be barbecue or whatever it may be. Sure, sure. In this case, I wanted to have a little bit of fun because I, I wanted folks to reach in the back of their pantry, grab some of those seasonings that have been sitting there that 
they've used in two recipes. Maybe it was coleslaw with, you know, or some caraway seeds sure. and some sausage. Right. Um, and, and you made sliders those. and you put all those seeds on top of the dinner rolls that were in that uh, eight by eight. And then you put that thing away and haven't used it again since. Right, right. You know, and so in, in this recipe, um, you're going to, you know, you're going to see some things in there that might be in the back of your pantry. Um, so moving forward on this recipe here, so I, I preheat my smoker to 250 degrees. Whenever I think of smoking, I ultimately think about 200 for a longer period of time based on weight. Oh, oh, okay. So 250 is just to get that puppy good and hot, and then um, I would you know coat the coat the duck or maybe it's a whole chicken. Um, and usually they're typically about the same size that you find in the stores, anywhere between five and eight pounds. All right. So either way, no matter what the bird is. It's the weight of the bird, whether it's chicken or a duck or, or a pheasant or whatever it happens to be. This time of year, there's all kinds of wild game out there being made available. You need seven or eight pounds of whatever that is. Whatever that is. Okay. Yep, exactly. And that's how you're going to get your cooking times dialed in. And that's one thing I learned, um, you know, over winter. Uh, I, I grill all winter long, but uh, it, it was one of those things where I need to dial this in. So I would buy four whole chickens at one time. And how do I dial in this smoke? What type of chips do I want to use? I was just really, really having fun with it, um, kind of like Richard Chris, who's out there cooking and, and doing these things and taking pictures and, and really having fun with food. I think I was thinking of him when I was getting into my grilling because he grills 10 times more than sure, I do. Sure. Him and Renee, you know, get into it. And uh, I was thinking of him, and I was thinking, you know, I want to dial this into the point where I just record it and start getting recipes for smoking. And, and you don't have to have a smoker to smoke food. You can simply have a smoking box that you can put in your grill that would go on top of your briquettes or your hardwood charcoal and, and, and be able to contain that, you know, and know your, where your flues and how to adjust flues. And in this recipe, um, I, there's a part where you're going to be calming it down. So right now I have closed flues at 250 degrees. I put in my duck, and then I, lo- I open my flues just a tad to drop that temperature a little bit, so I'm creating more airflow inside. All right, so you start the duck at 250, but immediately bring it down, the temp down to 200. Absolutely. That's okay. my target temp now at this okay. point in time. Then okay. I know that my 8-pound duck or my, my 7-pound duck or chicken um, is going to go for two hours. And I know just from practicing so many times with that recipe that it's going to be about 140 degrees, 150 degrees when you pull it. And I wanted to make it a little earlier. You know, most people, well, if it's not pulled at 165, you know, you're in that. You're too late now. You, yeah, you're in that danger zone. Well, the reason why I wanted to pull it a little early is because we're going to finish it in the oven to get the drippings to make the sauce. Uh-huh. So normally in a smoker, you have a, a drip tray that is probably coated and seasoned and, and full of everything, your yep. pork from last week. Sure, sure. You know, and so I, I, I go ahead and maintain my drippings with uh, with just, just a half sheet pan that you put inside the oven. Um, so you bake it um, or roast it uh, two hours. You remove that. You Well, you preheat your oven out of 300 degrees. You place the duck on a half sheet pan, and you roast it for two hours until that internal temperature reaches that 165 mark. Um, or 160, because you're going to pull it and let it rest. Sure. So if you're a little it's shy. It's going to continue cooking for 10 minutes or so. Right, right. And I, and I usually give it about 5 degrees there. So if I'm pulling okay. it at 160, I know I'm going to get that 5-degree sure. temperature on the rest. And then and then I just grab all those drippings, and then I move into my, my orange duck glace. Uh, basically, in that recipe, it's uh, 3 cups. This would be for 2-cup yield. All right, well, don't do that one yet. Hold okay. on to the recipe. The glaze is next. The glace 
Are you getting all Glace. French on me now? I am because we're taking a uh, a, a stock, basically, wood drippings, huh? uh, Vulette, and we're taking it down 75% this time. Uh-huh. So we're going into Glace rather than Demi Glace. <laughs> and I've been saying Glaze all these years. No wonder no one knows what I'm talking about. All right, a little business. we got to check in with guys in the newsroom. We'll be right back to Cooley Region Cooks. And I'll be the first to fall on my kitchen knife. See what I did there? Not falling on my sword. I'm falling on my kitchen knife. I had no idea that there there actually is a demi-glaze and a different product that is demi-glace. I did not. I thought you were teasing me. I had no oh, idea. Yeah, so, you know, so a, 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 you can say it either way, and one may sound fancier than the other, but. It's kind of like Chris Roderick, who yanks my chain once in a while. Does he? Well, you got to run that through the chinois. <laughs> oh, you mean a screen? You got you to filter <laughs> that? The, oh, oh, okay. Fine mesh china cap. Right, fine, yeah, 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 exactly. I thought you Point were teasing. Yeah, yeah. Demi glaze and demi glace are different. That's, yeah, it's so. it's a little bit confusing. So when you make when you make a, a you know a demi glaze or demi glace, you can say it either way. I um, mean, you know, you're taking you're it's taking a reduction roasted bones and aromatics and and vegetables per se, and, and you know wine, tomato sauce, whatever it may be, and and you're reducing that to the point where it's it's a sauce. Now taking that sauce one step further and going down to like a ninety percent reduction would technically Put you in the realm of a glace. Okay. And the reason why a lot of chefs tend to go glace is because it's so super concentrated. It coagulates. It, it's just. It's almost. It's like a nice little jelly, and it's easy to portion when we use that for sauces. So the glace is the furthest level. It's almost like uh, the best way to explain it is um, okay. like you have ghee, mm-hmm. butter ghee. Ghee is taken down to that that furthest level. Right. And I I hope a lot of people know that ghee. Is butter? It's just butter that's been clarified butter that's came down to a major but, reduction. You know, it's really interesting now that because I had no idea what it was, and now I know what it was that I consumed in one of those food boxes that I got this winter from uh, Shubies was a little container full of brown jelly, yeah. and I thought I I don't know what I'm going to do with this brown jelly. Uh, swipe it on toast, or you know. <laughs> I took I took a little taste of it and thought, yeah. okay, this is not toast. This is insane. I put it Good. in a, I put yeah. it in a small pot on the stove, and it melted into sauce yes. in about yes. two seconds. It went immediately Absolutely. from jelly Absolutely. into juice. Love it it was so delicious. Yes, and super high concentration. Yeah, that's, that's your demi glace. That's your glace. I did not yeah. know that till just now. Yeah. Wow, that was delicious. Isn't that something? Yeah, yeah, uh, and and that's what sparks my passion. Is to learn these little <laughs> things. Like, yeah. wow, I, I took a chicken stock that was in my fridge for four days and decided that I was just going to reduce that 90% into this little jelly liquid uh-huh, uh-huh. and then freeze it or fold it into butter. There's a way of taking butter. You put butter at room, you get butter to room temperature, which typically could take upwards of 24 hours. Sure. And then you get the room temperature on your glace. And you fold it into butter, so now you're making pork butters and chicken butters wow. and this sort of thing. So glaces sure. are very, um, I guess, universal in, in and a And so sense. When, when you're reducing a, a, a demi-glaze, does it actually turn into jelly as the process moves along? It will not, only okay. upon cooling. All right. Then how do you know? 
you that's a wild guess isn't it then when it's when it's done now i take it off the heat and let it congeal yes that's a guess it, 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 it's an insane guess but what you do is you start with you visualize what you started with and where you want to take it in 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 terms of that reduction and is it is it a math thing if you have an inch of demi glaze you want to reduce it by half or by two thirds or is there a is there a mathematical formula so that my eyeballs yeah, can a, tell me? That's a tough one. It, it, is it, it? Yeah, it really is. You're gonna you're gonna go for, you're gonna start to see once it gets down to that glossy portion, it's gonna start to bubble up, and you can tell it's getting a lot thicker. Sure. And and, and, and there's no like exact science that I could say. It's this getting is when you thicker. Stop. Is thicker. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. All right. And, well, that makes and, sense. And you're you're not going down to what they would call um, offset. Uh, Aussec is when it, it's almost dry, is what that means in All right. French. So you're not quite going to Aussec, but you're pretty darn close. Demi glaze, demi glace, Aussec, <laughs> chunky, burn to a crisp. Sorry, throw folks, it away. we got a little technical today. <laughs> yeah. well, that's all right. Now, at least now I know when somebody else says it, I'll know what they're talking about. But it, you know, it's it, you know, glace, glaze, you know, um, those sort of words. You know, some people say them differently. You know, like bechamel and bachamel and things like that. And, or you know, bechamel, or bechamel, depending on what or, state you live in. Exactly, you know. Sure, so sure. you you don't want to look at it as it's pretentious the way people say it. It may be from the region that they're from, okay. or what they're used to, or who they were trained by. What's that round bread thing with a hole in the middle? You cut it in half and you put cream cheese on it. Oh, a, a bagel. A bagel, or is it a bagel? How many people have you heard <laughs> say, "Yeah, have you got any bagels?" No. But I got a bunch of bagels. <laughs> my, my, my friend from Brooklyn would be the yeah. first one to say, no, they're not. Yeah, that's so <laughs> yeah, funny. They're bagels. That's so funny. <laughs> bagels. That's so funny. All right, so let's cook the, uh, let's finish. Oh, did we, we did finish the demi-glaze. And you're reducing that really slowly, right? This is going to yes. take all afternoon? Absolutely. Okay, yep. okay. You, you, and you want to do, you, you want to keep an eye on. boil this down to nothing. Exactly. You want it on a low simmer and, uh, you know, usually about medium to medium high. But knowing that you're going to be babysitting this because evaporation happens fast, yeah. especially if you're using aluminum pans versus cast iron or uh, stainless steel. So you, you kind of want to babysit it. Make sure you don't take it too far. Many a times I've taken a stock with the intentions of going to a glace and uh, and just right to the bottom of the pan, which then you went off sec. You got away. You went off second. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, right. sec. And, and also remember <laughs> that as you're reducing – salt becomes prominent so you never want to start with a lot of salt you want to finish with salt okay. so you, you want a little bit in there for those aromatics to really relate to and bring out those flavors but be careful with your salt okay you can certainly buy in this recipe you can purchase or make vegetable stock but you want it to be a low sodium if you buy it so sure. just keep in mind that sure. uh, the, as, as it goes down it's going to get saltier and, and if for some reason it's too salty, in, in which mine actually was, I decided to bring in some citrus. So I came in with the charred orange. So it was a charred orange demi, and I finished it with some nice charred oranges oh, and caramelized shallot very good, very to bring in that sweetness because I felt it Perfect. to be a little bit salty. So Well, that's nice that you know what to do in case. Right. In case you take it too far, here's what you can do to save it as right. opposed to throw it away and start over because right. people are going to be at your house. In 40 minutes, you don't have time to start over. you got to do something with <laughs> exactly. this. Exactly. Most people run toward honey or sugar. Yeah. Oh, that would There's be. other routes of twisting that flavor. Pizza. That's where I'd run to. Pizza. 
Turn the lights down. Don't tell anybody what you're serving until you take yeah. it out of the oven and see if that's what changer. it looks like. That's right. <laughs> menu change. All right, so we're done with the the glace, right? And I can. And, and you'll have these posted, so they can yep. just reference to them. Okay, we did the uh, the duck. Which one do you want to do next? The, the uh, char masala. Yeah, I did include a duck confit recipe in there, and, and that's for the folks that really get excited. Um in, instead of going the Indian route like we're going to talk about now with the achar masala, uh, with the confit, you're doing a curing process. So I want to give you that recipe for the curing process okay. of, of duck for a confit. But right. uh, with this, we're doing achar masala. So basically, masala is a widely used word and term in India for a lot of things. It could be a sauce. It could be a spice. It, it's it's kind of like Heck, a jar. this time, I thought it was yeah. wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or the marsala, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a jargon They word. spell it differently or something, I guess? It's, yeah, it's interesting. Um, so it, with this one, a, a char, which basically means um, ple- a, please, a pleasing seasoning. Okay. So that's kind of what a char means in this one. Um, so we're doing, uh, for this recipe, it's uh, dried mango powder. So you're like, what? <laughs> dried exactly. mango powder? I get that at Quick Trip? Or? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, but you can certainly go to an Asian market or if you have a dehydrator and get dried fruits. Asian market, here I come. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to start a recipe for Friday that I have to start on Tuesday because first <laughs> I have to create all the spices. And why don't you tell me to go out in the in the backyard and plant some seeds and then in a couple of months, you know, forget it. The microgreens for the garnish. Right, right. I'm going right to the store. Let's say you go to the Asian market and they don't have the dried mango powder or dried mangoes, for that matter. You can you can chop up fresh mangoes for this recipe. Can you? Okay. Yeah, this could be this could be a dry or or a wet rub for your smoke. So sure. Don't don't get too confused there. Of well, I don't have that ingredient. It's not going to be as good. Um, you certainly can go other routes with that with the mango. Um, red chili powder, or if you have cayenne pepper on that. Uh, when I say red chili powder, it's usually uh, moving into like a Tabasco chili. Sure. Or something okay. that level. Makes something sense. with the spice. That's right. your spice component there. A little there. heat. Uh, turmeric, uh, great all around. Uh, turmeric's just good good for um, anti-inflammatory work and uh, muscles and joints like we were talking about earlier. Is that the same stuff as turmeric? Turmeric, yeah. See, there we go. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, there you go. Yep. So, um, and Woodman's actually has that fresh. I, I believe Festival might as well. Turmeric, really? Yeah. So cool. uh, if you can use fresh with this recipe, that's great as well. A uh, little bit on the pricey side, but it goes a long way. So you don't well, you much. don't. You're not buying a gallon. Yeah, right. You know, they're expensive ingredients. You only need a tiny little just bit. Just a thumb. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, just just a, a little. Um, some mustard seeds there. Um, if you don't have those, you can use mustard powder as well. We have fennel seeds. Now, these are those seeds I'm talking about that you probably have way back in right. the pantry. Yeah. Uh, let's get those out now. You know, yeah. they're they're sitting there. You know, spices can go bad within a year. You, you, you got one to two years on some of these spices that are in your pantry, and a lot of folks don't know that. My mother, my grandmother didn't know that. You know, right, right. <laughs> I'm like Johnson and Johnson made spices. Is that 19? Is mom when? What? Right. Yeah, so, um, uh, fenugreek. That's optional. Um, if you have that, uh, some caraway seed, and then we have fennel flour, which is definitely optional. That one's a little bit more difficult to find, but it's traditional in the recipe. So, some fennel flour or nigella seeds. And, you know, right off the bat, I'll be perfectly honest, right off the bat, at whatever the cost is, I'm going to buy a small jar of an amount of this spice from you. I am not 
me personally, am I going to make my own Archer Marsala Spice Rub? No. Why? Because it'll take me so long to gather up that list of ingredients that I can't just go to the store and know right where they are. And uh, so I'm going to, so keep that in mind when, when you're having a class and you, and you use this spice and everybody goes, man, that's awesome. Do you have the recipe? Yeah, here's a copy of it. Oh, great. Uh, do you have any of the spice I can just buy from you? We'll be shortly thereafter. That's happened. That's ha- definitely happened many times. And, I'm sure. And I kind of went, went off on the cuff on this one because I, I am encouraging you to definitely jump into your pantries. You know, a lot <laughs> and I'm all about that. Yeah, I'm all about yeah. using up the stuff at the back of the pantry. But Fenugreek this- can tend to be back there. Um, and you're like, wait, I didn't even know I had that. Right. I'm going to call Sean and apologize. <laughs> I didn't have to go to the store. All I had but, is uh, <laughs> turmeric. I didn't have any of that turmeric. I don't know what yeah, that is. Yeah. I, well, you got to go to Brooklyn. Get you got to go to Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Put it on your bagels. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So, so it, it's it's a fun it's a fun uh, uh, Indian Indian spice mix. There, um, you can get very similar. You can look at ingredients on, let's say, uh, garam masala. So that's going to have more of the what I call holiday spices. Your cinnamon, your cardamom, and that sort of thing. Right. But if you go to, um, you know, some of these Indian restaurants, you're going to get some of these flavors. We don't have like actual, I guess, Indian grocery stores here in La Crosse, but we do have some gas stations that do carry some of these ingredients. Really? That are owned by uh, Indian families. Oh. And that's where I get these ingredients. Is really? At these gas stations, actually. There's one on Jackson and. Oh, yeah, that's. There's one on Jackson. That's awesome. <laughs> right. Right. There, there was another one, but I believe they shut down. Yeah. Did it used to be a Sitco station? That sounds right. Yeah. Is that the one? Yeah. Okay. Right across from the from the uh, the uh, shopping center. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. I know what you're talking about. And, and they had um, they had some awesome uh, Indian spices. So if you're cool. if you're into it, definitely check out this rub. Well, and thank it's, you it's very fun. much for that tip because now there because I know people, Wayne and and uh, a number of other Jim and those guys who are going to be looking for these individual spices. Now they'll know where to go instead of just driving all over. Or having to get on the in, uh, the on web, the web right. buy a quart because you can't just <laughs> buy two tablespoons. Yeah. I don't want to do that either. Exactly. But, you know, the fennel seed, the mustard seed, the turmeric, um, or whatever, whatever however you want to call it, <laughs> turmeric. Um, you know, a lot of these things are pretty common. Uh, I think the fenugreek, oh, yeah. the fenugreek seed um, and the fennel flower would be the two that really um, would be something sought after. I never heard of nigella seeds. So I put in the Indian names for them as well. Oh, so if oh. you're looking at, if you're looking at some packages, uh, you might okay. see a different name. So f- nigella seed and fennel seed, same thing. Same thing. Okay. And, and then the Indian right. names on there as well. Got it. Got it. All so right, that well, way, that's, that's when when you're when you're searching for these things, um, at least you know at yeah. that point. Hey, I don't recognize this, but there's that word Hayes was telling me about. So I got it. I guess that's the good stuff. The, the turmeric, awesome. yeah. Smart Alex. Sorry, I brought that up. A little bit. Well, I mispronounce it all the time. Yeah. I'm just going to see, you know, that tea spice. It's kind of light brown in color. Tea, yeah. Oh, turmeric. Yeah. Put goes on your bagels. Be right back. Canned ham. And, and canned spam. And I was teasing him about, have you ever eaten the jelly that's in a canned ham or the canned spam? And I sadly, I can't remember the name, but he said, that is a delicacy. That jelly that you laughing about is, and that most people think, oh, no wonder Cam Ham is so weird. It's, it's, it's packed in jelly. No, no, that jelly took hours and hours and hours to make. 
and is drain that off. He said, whenever I've ever had to use a canned ham, drain that jelly off and keep it because that will turn into, you can make that into, and maybe it's a glace. He didn't mention it. Yeah, there's a couple different names for that. Yeah. Oh, and it is tasty. That is, I know, every time I hear this theme song, I laugh. Oh, yeah, canned canned ham and all that disgusting ham jelly. Yeah. Uh, Just makes it delicious. It it was actually a a course in the 1900s. Was it? Yeah, they would serve it uh, as as essentially. In a bowl? I forget the technical. a little spoon? You're right, right. They do it in molds. Oh. They do it in molds. I forget Uh the technical term for it, but essentially it is. They put marshmallows in it? Uh, It certainly looks like it is. Chunks of carrots, maybe? I don't know. Hey, before we run out of time, we've only got two minutes here. Uh, And I appreciate that we did all the recipes that you shared. Thank you. Yep. Uh, You're going into a kind of farming out business, right? I am. Yes, I'm working with Priceland Hemp in Black River Falls. Uh, Right now I've gone through uh, some some lab. uh, I I wouldn't call them experiments, but basically following recipes from multiple cookbooks in regards to CBD infusion. Um, in dog treats and moving into confectionaries, some candies, uh, as well as uh, macaroons really? and things like this. Um, I, so I, sweet things for humans, dog treats for dogs. Exactly. Yep. And uh, with the CBD infusion there. So we're, we're doing 10 milligram to, to 15 milligram uh, CBD infusion, which is great to, for anxiety, especially for animals. Um, it's, it's great for the joints. Um, helps folks go to sleep. So many positive attributes. Uh, learning curve for me, it's something I started um, during during our kind of this last winter's COVID, sure. COVID season. and uh, Shortly after March when uh, COVID struck, yeah. Yep. I started really looking into, um, I, you know, I was stressed out and I wanted I to, get to sleep more and, and, what, and what's, what's out there that can, can help. And so I learned a little bit about that. So now we're looking at putting some product in Priceland Hemp. Awesome. Black I'll River be Falls. sure and be in touch when it is available and I'll pass that along to everybody else. Absolutely, we'll do. That would be awesome. In the meantime, what have you got any classes coming up at anybody's house? I don't want to know the name <laughs> of the people cuz I don't want to private dinner this Saturday. Want, what are you going to cook? That's all I was interested doing in. Doing filet mignon on this one, doing a strawberry salad. Uh, we started building cheesecakes and wine glasses now deconstructed and A cheesecake and a wine glass? Deconstructed cheesecakes and wine glasses. Kind of sounds yeah. like tiramisu. Yeah, it's, Only very, it's a cheesecake. Very similar, and it's and it's inside of a, a wine glass. So we're going to awesome. have fun fun with that. And then uh, Lost Island Winery is where our cooking classes are going to be right now. Like I said, we're awesome. working out logistics, but we're going to be bringing public classes back. Awesome! Can't wait to hear about that too. Hey, uh, speaking of which, will can I talk you into coming back some Thursday? Be my pleasure. I'll grab the calendar and we'll pick a day that works. We are Cooley Region. Co-